I'm Greg Jarrett. I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Charles Payne, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, June 23rd, 2020. I'm Trey Inks. States across America have different timelines for phased reopening, as many are facing new spikes in COVID-19 infections. When you both shut something down or when you reopen, you have to stick to constitutional principles. People need to be afforded due process. And just because you're in a pandemic, it doesn't mean that your constitutional rights go away. You still have your First Amendment rights, your Second Amendment rights, your Fourth Amendment rights, Fifth Amendment, etc. This is the Fox News Rundown. Global Pandemic. The spread of coronavirus is far from over, but local, state, and federal policies are shifting towards reopening economies. Individual states are determining best practices for their populations using CDC guidelines. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear from West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey. Starting first in Canada, that has seen more than 100,000 total coronavirus cases. On Monday, Canada reported just six new deaths from COVID-19, the lowest figure increase for the country since March. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said this week that Canada won't rush reopening despite pressure from citizens. He added the pandemic provided an opportunity to reshape Canada's future. Now to Mexico that is still struggling with the COVID-19 outbreak. Mexico reported more than 4,500 new cases on Monday alone, as one story that made global headlines this week said newborn triplets in Mexico all tested positive for coronavirus shortly after birth. Some Mexican hospitals are struggling to provide care as the death toll has risen to over 22,000 people. Just north in the United States, the COVID-19 situation varies from state to state. Florida became the seventh state on Monday to surpass 100,000 cases. Yesterday, Pennsylvania reported its second consecutive day of single-digit coronavirus deaths. And in West Virginia, new cases increased by 28% in the past two weeks. So how can states start to reopen even when they are seeing a rise in new cases? I think West Virginia has had a unique approach. Uh, West Virginia was very aggressive early on. This is West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey especially when so little information was known about the virus and uh, there was a lot of activity trying to make sure that the nursing homes were protected, those who were immunocompromised uh, were warned, and I think that was very helpful. So while there certainly have been uh, real pockets of outbreaks with nursing homes and in some of the prisons, I do think West Virginia got out in front of that Uh, but it also then had more aggressive steps, and now it's been releasing them. And I think that that's appropriate because we know we have to reopen our society. So I think it's been a balancing act. It's not quite gone as far as a number of states, maybe Florida and many other places, and maybe I wish we could go a little bit further, but at the same time, it didn't make some of the same mistakes of New York and New Jersey and some of the other places. I imagine being one of the states that saw later outbreaks gave you an opportunity to look at some of the early mistakes that states like New York made and learn from them. I wanted to ask you about some of the agenda items you've been spearheading when it comes to price gouging and scams that were affecting West Virginians during this time. Where did you see the most activity when it comes to people trying to take advantage of the situation and the spread of this disease? Absolutely. So we really saw it in a couple different areas. One 
with respect to price gouging, a lot of prices did go up uh, during the pandemic. And we saw it with ground beef, with chicken, with eggs, with hand sanitizer, toilet paper. There was a huge run. Obviously, this occurred nationally, but West Virginia was impacted as well. And you did start to see prices. And we probably had over a thousand consumer enforcement calls in a short period of time. Now, those calls started to really slow down as you got weeks into the pandemic, but we had a lot of focus on that. And then we would go out and investigate every allegation of wrongdoing in an effort to make sure that the law was being enforced. Now, interestingly, in West Virginia, you actually have to not only look at the retail price, you have to go back and see, did the supplier actually send the product at the elevated price? Because if he did, then the retailer would not be held responsible for a price gouging charge. So price gouging took up a lot of our time. And then there were a lot of scams related to PPE. We were getting a ton of calls of people saying that there were PPE products coming and that if you needed it, please give 500 bucks or a thousand bucks in advance and then you'll get all the product you need. And we were warning a lot of citizens about that and some other consumer and financial transaction issues. So it was a very busy time here in West Virginia. As you look at the possibility of this phased reopening and it's shifting from week to week. We're seeing new outbreaks all over the country, including some pockets in West Virginia. What I've found interesting is that there are some other health issues that West Virginia is addressing at the same time. And I think that this may be used as a model for other states to say, hey, look, you know, while we're fighting coronavirus, there are some other really important public health agenda items that need to be addressed. And I wanted to talk specifically about the opioid crisis. I know that you've pushed forward a lawsuit to ensure that the people of West Virginia aren't being taken advantage of by larger corporations. Can you tell me about this and how you timed it out amid this pandemic to ensure that it had the appropriate attention and energy to actually move forward. Absolutely. And many people listening may know West Virginia has taken the lead, not only in terms of litigation against companies that may uh, be responsible or there may be some allegation of wrongdoing, but we've gone after the root causes of the opioid epidemic. So for those listening, obviously with every problem, you have to look at it holistically. You have to look at the supply. You'll have to look at the demand. You have to look at education. And we've done that. And that's one of the reasons why we had actually sued the DEA uh, because the DEA was in part responsible and they had completely and grossly mismanaged the national drug quota system, helping to spit out millions and millions in excess pills. We had tried to really clamp down when we saw physicians over prescribing. We had pharmacies, wholesalers, manufacturers, and you look for those allegations of wrongdoing where there are knowing misrepresentations. And so we've been working on these issues for a long time. We've been dealing with education. We're trying to make sure that people know about non-opioid alternatives. And litigation has to be part of that as well. But we do it when there's allegation of wrongdoing. Litigation alone, we're not going to sue our way out of the opioid epidemic. But one thing that was relevant is that as West Virginia had closed down, one of the concerns I have is 
when a lot of people are in their house or people aren't working, we start to see drug overdose rates uh, go up. And that's a very real concern. We have to be mindful of some of the other consequences from a public health perspective when people aren't working or there are concerns or they're not getting out to see their doctor or there's a restriction on elective services. So we want to make sure we keep up the fight on the opioid epidemic during this critical time. You've been listening to West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey. We'll be right back. You bring up a really interesting point about lockdowns and people who are out of work amid this global pandemic and some of the consequences of keeping people indoors. Take me behind the scenes what it looks like when you are with Governor Justice and other officials in West Virginia trying to determine what the best course of action is for reopening. You know, we see the headlines and we see the decisions made by officials across the United States, but I think it would be interesting to learn about how those decisions are made and what are the key considerations that you're looking at when you are deciding what days and what areas places should be reopening. Well, first of all, uh, in West Virginia, uh, the governor was provided with authority from the legislature, and that emergency authority obviously gives him some of the latitude to make some of the decisions that he made, and then he's been relying on that same authority to kind of peel off some of those decisions. So that's really more of a gubernatorial decision, but I can tell you this much. We spent an enormous amount of time looking at all the different issues, and we have emphasized that when you both shut something down or when you reopen, you have to stick to constitutional principles. People need to be afforded due process. And just because you're in a pandemic, it doesn't mean that your constitutional rights go away. You still have your First Amendment rights, your Second Amendment rights, your Fourth Amendment rights, Fifth Amendment, et cetera. And that's what I've been trying to preach, that you want to make sure that it's done right. So, for instance, I've pointed out uh, a number of times that, look, if you're shutting down, if you're, well, let's, let's restate that. If you leave a golf course open, but then you're saying, well, we're going to keep the, uh, the race car driving shut, even though it actually may be safer to engage in spectatorless race car driving, then that may raise some equal protection issues. So you have to look at this logically. And if you're leaving one place open and another place is closed, that could create an equal protection claim. And so we've been very clear in articulating those concepts publicly so people know that your constitutional rights are protected. And that's one of the most important things we can do in the AG's office. That's exactly what I was going to ask you about. Are you encouraging the constitutional approach to the enforcement of laws? Because a lot of laws are open to interpretation. I mean, that is part of the reason we have the judicial system in the United States that we do. But I imagine during a pandemic like coronavirus, there's a new set of rules and a new set of understandings to look at. So how are you navigating that situation, understanding that people are rightly trying to get back to work, but also ensuring that they're not going too far and endangering the people of West Virginia? 
Well, we certainly believe you can do both. You can keep people safe, and due to the nature of this virus that really attacks uh, a lot of the elderly and immunocompromised, we want to make sure that, of course, those citizens and everyone, that you're protected. So that's, that's important. But at the same time, we do want to reopen, and you have to keep reopening because there are huge consequences to not reopening, not only from an economic perspective, a public health perspective as well. And so we've tried to take the approach that the Constitution is sacrosanct, and you can't run over it, you can't violate it just because you're in a pandemic. And that's why we've been so... Uh, outspoken saying that your First Amendment rights are protected. So let's give a couple examples on that. So people have said, well, wait a minute, uh, we don't have the right to assemble. Well, you actually do. Uh, you think about uh, Typhoid Mary. No one would say it's appropriate for Typhoid Mary to allow her to be in the middle of the public square and spread a virus to everyone if everyone knows that she has it. So that's a natural restriction that would be in place. At the same time, uh, you're seeing that you know that people have the ability to gather and do many, many different things. But when you have knowledge that a virus may be really viral and it could have a catastrophic effect, there's some uh, restrictions that you can place if the evidence warrants it. Now, early on, when no one knew what was going on with coronavirus, I think that's why you saw some of the more aggressive restrictions. Now, I think you're seeing things a little bit different as there's more science, there's more knowledge about what's going on. And the same restrictions, I don't think, pass constitutional muster. And that's why you're beginning to see a lot of places reopen uh, faster and faster, which is, I think, appropriate. An extremely unique perspective that you provide and really appreciate the information on West Virginia and plans to reopen. West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey. Mr. Morrissey, thank you again for your time. Hey, thanks so much. And people should take a look and learn more about uh, my office uh, online. And it's Patrick Morrissey. I appreciate it very much. I'm grateful for this opportunity. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.